We open the word of God this morning to the revelation of John in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Before we read, let us open our hearts. Almighty God, who in the beginning created all things, who sent to us the word in Jesus Christ our Lord, who inspires us to that word by the gift of your Holy Spirit. Be with us this morning as we seek to understand the visions given to John, the revelation of your glory and your grace. Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we hear. We ask that you would help us to take these things to heart so that we might find life and comfort and blessing in you. We pray this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Brothers and sisters, we read about horses and riders about dragons and beasts, about seals and bowls, disaster and famine, plagues and disease, angels and Satan, sinners and saints. We read of the old creation passing and the new creation that comes, endings and beginnings the revelation of John, the last text of our Bibles, filled with some of the richest and most powerful imagery of the Bible, visions that are great and grand and terrifying, stories that are global and epic in proportion, words that keep scholar and child up late into the night, often with the same sense of trepidation and wonder and awe and fear. Armageddon, the end of the world. And on days like this, like today where disease is altering everything that we know, where on an intellectual level, we know where the curve is going to end up, or at least there's a place that we hope that the curve is going to end up. But there's also this little emotional piece of ourselves, this piece that wonders. In those late hours of worry, when the big things are happening, is this it? And in those times when we are wondering and worrying, we also wonder, dare I peek? 
On most days, gospel and letter, psalm and proverbs, they're fine. On most Sundays, yeah. But this feels different. When it feels like the world is ending, we wonder, is this the time that we finally open that last chapter? That final scroll? Let's find out. We're beginning a study of Revelation. For the record, this was planned last August, before any of this was even imaginable to us. And we're going to work our way through this letter to the seven churches in Asia carefully. And it's going to take us a while, because this text is big and complex, and the riches that it provides us are worthy of that time. And we're going to begin with the prologue, as our English translators title it. These three verses that precede the rest of the letter. And what I want to lay down for you is that these three verses are incredibly important for our study of the whole. Sometimes we skip ahead, we peek into what's coming. And when we look to Revelation, we get into these visions and these pictures, and we try to understand the point, and it's very, very hard. But what I want to lay down as foundation is that John has already given us the point. The purpose for all the verses and visions that will follow are found right here at the beginning. The key to the code is found in how we understand these words. And there are three words in particular that I want to pay attention to. Three keys that will help us to understand the whole message of Revelation going forward. And the first of these words, the first of the keys, is the word prophecy. We find it in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Now, when we hear the word prophecy, there is a sense that we have of what that word means. And if we go to Webster's Dictionary and we dust it off, because nobody uses dictionaries anymore, but if we did, and we opened it to the section on the word and we found the word prophecy, we're going to find this definition. A prophecy is a prediction of something to come. And that resonates, that tracks. We think about prophecy and we think about future. We think about predictions. We think about what might happen. We may have images of prophets like Nostradamus in our mind, who comes and tells us about the things that are going to occur, about the things that must happen. When we think about prophecy, we think about time in a particular way. We think about the end of the world. Prophecy has come to mean for us something akin to fortune-telling, to seeing the future. But if we dust off our dictionaries and we look to that word, what we also find is that this is only the third definition of the word prophecy. It's third because it's the latest definition. And it's what the word has come to mean in popular perception today. 
But that word did not mean a prediction of something to come if you were to find yourself on the island of Patmos nearly 2,000 years ago with John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, as he was experiencing these visions. He would never understand prophecy in the way that we might today. His dictionary didn't consider prophecy and time to be linked like that. Instead, as the dictionary does recognize properly, he would have used the first definition of prophecy. That was a very different definition. A prophecy was the inspired word of God that was given to a prophet to deliver. And this comes from a very, very rich prophetic tradition in Israel's history. There's a whole bunch of expectations that we would have of a prophet if we considered prophecy and the Old Testament, as John would have in the tradition of Isaiah or Malachi or Jeremiah or Jonah or Amos or any of the other Old Testament prophets. And when we go back and study their messages, we find that what they did was bring the word of the Lord. And there were times when it evoked the future, but there were also times when it looked to the past. But what we know about the prophet's message is that the use of time was never the primary concern. It's not the time period they were interested in. Instead, the prophet's role was always to speak the word of the Lord into the now. There was a problem, or a circumstance, or a place and a time where they were, where there were major things happening. Maybe there was an army outside of the walls, or maybe there was a society that was forgetting about God and going astray. Maybe there was a king who was trusting in economy and not in the Lord's provision. Maybe there were people sitting on the side of a river feeling forgotten and weeping about Jerusalem. Whatever the situation, the message of the prophet was always this, remember God. Remember God who is with you in the past. Remember God who made a promise to be with you in the future. Remember the covenants that he has made and how he has kept them and how he intends to keep them. All of them with one intended purpose, to draw the people to this question. What does that mean for you now? Prophecy is never about the future. Sometimes it might let us peek into it, but never without a present purpose. The prophet's job is to get us to consider where we are now in the context of time and wonder, is this where we're supposed to be? And if the answer is no, then what must we do to get there? Key number one to Revelation is knowing this. Revelation is a book of prophecy. This is what John tells us right at the outset. And that means a very specific thing, that its primary purpose is not to tell us the future. Its primary purpose is to inspire us in the now. 
Its primary purpose is to inspire us in the now. Now, very much connected with this word prophecy is our second word, the second key, which is revelation. The name of the letter that we have given is the first word that is written. And that word in Greek is apocalypse. And like the word prophecy, apocalypse is a word whose meaning has changed over time. And the definition that is popular in the world today is also one that John in Patmos wouldn't understand. If we were listening to a news report about COVID-19 today, and especially about how it is being experienced in certain places, in hospitals, in nursing homes, in care facilities, and among vulnerable populations, where we see our doctors and nurses and every other care provider being pushed to their limits by the number of cases, by the lack of resources, by the incredibly sad and traumatic stories that they bear witness to, the reports on these stories and these places are being called apocalyptic. And when we hear that word, we think world-changing, world-shattering, world-ending events. And certainly, that is the experience of those who are in the middle of it, and we honor that experience. Our friends and those who we don't know are stepping boldly into things that people are not built for. They're finding themselves in cataclysmic scenes. And in them, they are experiencing apocalypse. But not in the way that we think it means. Apocalypse, revelation, does not mean the end of the world. Instead, it's a stage term from drama, from acting, that refers to the curtain that conceals. And the apocalypse is the drawing back of the curtain so that we can see what's going on behind it. We get a peek at the story that's going on behind the story of what's really going on in the world, especially when it feels like the world is ending. John's revelation is not about the end of the world. But that doesn't mean it didn't feel like the end of the world to him. Jerusalem was in rebellion. Rome destroyed the temple. The empire was persecuting anyone from that state, whether they were Jewish or whether they were Christians. And at the same time, the Herodians were there in Jerusalem and they were persecuting the Christians. They were chasing after the disciples. They were chasing after John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was with him. Everyone who was associated with this, this, this group, this people, this movement that challenged their authority. Anyone associated with Jesus who rose from the dead. John was experiencing times of rebellion and war. In that time, there were famines that we read about. There was illness and disease. The world that John lived in was not peaceful or safe. And the Christians in that time were experiencing it worst of all. From all sides, on top of everything else that might be going on. 
But given that it's the year of our Lord 2020, we know that the world did not end in and about the year 70. And it didn't in any of the later persecutions or plagues or earthquakes or wars. So the context of John's writing is not the end of the world. Instead, it is a time that feels like the world is ending. And so what is apocalypse? What is revelation to John of Patmos and Mary who is with him? What is apocalypse? What is revelation to these seven churches in Asia that are stuck between this little Jewish province and this great big empire who are going to war? What is apocalypse for a nurse who is in the hospital Today. What is it that is being revealed? Verse 1 and 2, Jesus made apocalypse. What is going on known? By sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The story of grace, of dying and rising and victory. The apocalypse, the revelation, is that God is there. The second key to the book of Revelation is this. Apocalypse, revelation, is not about the end of the world. It's that when it feels like the world is ending, we are called to take a look, to peek, to pull back the curtain, and see the word of God revealed in Jesus Christ who died and who rose as a testimony to the covenant of God, to the Holy Spirit who was given as a promise that we would know he was coming again, pointing us towards the end of the story that lets us know that God is there and that the world is not going to end. The revelation, the apocalypse that we see around us when we take the curtain back is that even on the darkest of days, God is there. God is with you now. And when we turn these keys of prophecy and of revelation properly understood, when we see the grand story of God who is with us, even when the world is falling apart, that's when we receive the key of blessing. Blessed is the one who reads this prophecy and takes this revelation to heart because the time is now. And in verse 1, it's written, These things were given to show his servants what must happen? Now, if prophecy and apocalypse mean what John intends them to mean, then these verses take on greater importance. They don't refer to the events that are going to happen. They don't refer to the visions that we're going to see. The things that must take place, the things that are being referred to, are not the global events, not the world-shattering things. Instead, it's an invitation to the personal, life-changing events 
that happen today and in our lives. The book of Revelation is inviting us not to see what is going on, it's inviting us into the now. It's meant to inspire the now so that we can experience the blessing of God now. If it feels like the world around you is ending, if it feels like nations are in uproar, if you feel like one of these churches in Asia caught up between Rome and Jerusalem and the bloody rebellion going on, if you feel like beasts and dragons are tearing the world apart, or the world is shaking to its foundation, or the pale rider is riding, and death and hell and plague and disease and famine are following. Revelation invites us in those moments to take a moment and peek behind the curtain and to see God who has revealed himself to us. To consider the word of God given to us, Jesus who died and who rose and who is coming again. To think about how the story is going to end. We get a peek of what it's going to look like. New Jerusalem coming. Where Christ is victor. And those who take this revelation to heart. Those whose lives are changed through prophecy that calls us to the now. To those who skip ahead and see that the world does not end. But continues in life eternal. What is here for us now, then, is blessing, happiness, comfort, peace, joy, life that is full and free and forever now. And what we're going to find as we journey through the revelation of John, the apocalypse together, is this continual reminder of God who is there in all things. Who is there in all things and victor through all things for us and for our blessing and for our life. The prophet's message is to inspire us in the now. To hear the word of God and to think about where we stand and where we might be. And so is today a good day to peak? Absolutely. To look behind the curtain, to see God who is with us in all things, and who is with us today, as he was with us yesterday, and as he will be with us for all time. And to know that he is with us now. Receive the blessing of God. Receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Take these words of prophecy to heart. Repent. Believe. Be blessed. Your time is now. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we thank you for your word. 
word that transcends time and place and meets us where we are. Whether we are in our pew or whether we are in our favorite chair, whether we are in times of prosperity or in times of distress, whether we are healthy or sick or in harm's way or keeping others safe. What we learn from your word is when we peel back the curtain, when we look behind the scenes, when we see what is going on behind the storm, we see that you are there. And more than that, you are for us. And we know this because of what Jesus has done. In dying and rising for us, and in granting us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that he is coming again. We thank you for a glimpse into the future that allows us to know that he is victor and that we are his and that the world does not end. But we also give you thanks that when we feel like it will, you draw close to us and you call us to draw close to you. And you invite us into your presence and into your love and into your grace. And as we see and experience this grace and truth, may we hear that invitation now. May we draw, be drawn into blessing and life in this moment. May we know the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts and may we receive your Holy Spirit to bless us now and forevermore. We pray these things, we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.